a wain? Just just for our non-Scottish viewers and listeners, what is a wain? It's a child. It's a child. Just a small child. Like a wee one. Wain. A wain. Yeah. My mum used to be like, did you know Jesus said a teddy bear? And I was like, what? And she's like... Well, the lyrics go, A wain in a manger, no crib for a bed, The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet Ted. <laughs> and we're back, and it's Christmas season here at Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Cara Devereaux. And I'm Anae Funka, and today we're kicking off the Christmas season with the tale behind Silent Night. We'll see how we owe our gratitude for this Christmas favorite to the organ. Plus, we'll take a look at a few songs we probably shouldn't be singing at Christmas, along with some encouragement from the good book. All that and more in a moment. But first, we have some exciting news for you. So because it's the season of giving, we have decided we're going to do an exclusive giveaway for our Himpartial subscribers. So Kate from Between Sundays by Kate has created an exclusive print featuring the lyrics of the first verse of Amazing Grace. You can be the owner of this beautiful image if you go to himpartial.com sign up for our newsletter there are more details there on the website that's himpartial.com and don't forget to go to between sundays by kate on instagram and check out more of her lovely work thank you cara and just to let you guys know that giveaway will end on december 31st so make sure you enter before then december 31st 2020 Silent Night, Holy Night, originally known by its German title, Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, was written in the early 1800s in Austria. Before we dig into the history, here are some quick fire fun facts about this song. Originally written in German, this song has been translated into over 140 languages, making it the most translated Christmas song of all time. This song was rumored to have been sung on Christmas Eve in 1914 by German soldiers in the famous Christmas Eve truce in World War One. You might have remembered the Sainsbury commercial uh, from a few years back where they depicted this. Just for the record, that commercial makes me ugly cry. <laughs> it is, Every time. It's yes. one of the top like three Christmas adverts ever. It really is. There's no comparison. Um, Silent Night is the third highest grossing music single in history ever. Uh, Spotify has over 36,000 versions of this song. 36,000, not 3,600. That would be impressive. It's an insane amount. So I'm sure everyone and their dog and their cat have a version of this on Spotify. <laughs> um, Silent Night is Britain's most recorded Christmas song of all time. And it is America's most popular Christmas recording of all time as well. Another fun fact, and this one is personal, the Loyola Marymount Concert Choir, of which I was a part of in my university days, uh, they end their Christmas concert every year by singing this song as an encore. So it has an extra special place in my heart. Uh, what about you, Cara? Uh, what, how do you feel about this song? I really like it. So 
I don't know how my brother will feel about me telling you this, but um, he was part of a choir for years and years. And I remember them singing this in German and it was absolutely beautiful. So I really like it. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful song. So I hope all those fun facts uh, have whet your appetite for the history. Now, I loved researching this Christmas carol because there is actually just a ton of legend surrounding this song. It's hard to say for certain if this is the way events really played out, but it's believable enough. So I don't have any conviction uh, of heart sharing this with you here today. Um, The actual composer of the song was um, obscure until 1995 uh, when the original manuscript was found with the composer's name scribbled in the corner. Before this, the song was attributed to much more popular composers such as Haydn, Mozart, and Beethoven. But none of those gentlemen had anything to do with this carol. Um, So the story goes... In a little Austrian village called Obendorf, there was a Roman Catholic priest by the name of Joseph Moore. Now, a few days before his Christmas Eve service, he realized that his organ in the chapel was broken. (laughs) So this was a huge problem because the choir wouldn't have any accompaniment for their Christmas Eve service, which was only a few days away. Now, there are a few rumors as to what actually caused the organ to stop playing. Uh, One was that the church had a recent flood and that somehow damaged the organ. Another rumor was that mice actually ate away at some of the connections within the organ, uh, which uh, is kind of funny because like you just think of like little um, grubby mice, like just trying to ruin Christmas. It seems like a plot to a movie. It actually um, sounds a bit like a Hallmark movie at the yeah. moment because you've got this organist and it's Christmas and the choir yeah. needs him, but his organ's like broken, but hopefully it'll all turn out okay. Yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> Hallmark, don't don't steal this idea. It's based on a true story. Um, shameless plug, if you want to know more about the organ, you should check out our episode two, uh, the organ, love it or lose it. Uh, we both, I could say, Cara came away with a greater appreciation for that instrument. Um, and maybe you guys will be interested in it after you hear this tale as well. But this particular case, but in this particular case, the organ, or should I say the failure of the organ, set off a series of events that contributed to the legend of this song and its creators. So back to the story. Now convinced that he was left with no music for the Christmas Eve service, uh, the priest, Moore, came up with a plan. He had written a poem a few years earlier reflecting on the birth of Jesus. So he pulled out his bit of paper with the poem and marched over to Hans Gruber, who was a schoolmaster in a nearby village and also an organist and obviously a composer. Moore asked Gruber if he could compose a melody to the poem that was simple to learn and would sound all right a cappella, because he didn't have an instrument. So apparently Gruber delivered and actually played the accompaniment on his guitar. Um, and the product of their work was this carol, Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht. And the choir learned it easily, and Gruber basically saved Christmas Eve. <laughs> 
That is 100% a Hallmark story, and I would actually watch that if it was a movie. <laughs> Don't even get that, me started. Go that ahead. explains why it sounds so good a cappella as well, if it was written written to sound good that way. Yeah. It's a be- it's a I don't you know we always say this when we look into a song we're like oh I didn't really appreciate I didn't really appreciate some bit of it but it is really a, a easy to pick up and a beautiful melody it's very simple and there's there's nothing wrong with being simple in fact a, a simple melody is probably what makes it um so beloved because anyone could sing it you know so speaking of anyone singing it the popularity of this song is really mysterious. Some might even say supernatural. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. But <laughs> there's a bit of legend around the popularity of this song as well. So after the Christmas service, Moore apparently out, hired out an organ builder from another village to get the old chapel organ up and running again. So once it was working... Moore allegedly sat down and played Silent Night on the organ and the builder heard it and was very impressed. So this organ builder took it back to his village, which is called Zillertal. Now Zillertal was a frequent stop for traveling folk singers at that time. And rumor has it that as a, a, a few very notable folk singers, um, which they usually were families, folk singing families, um, a very few notable folk singing families passed through, the organ builder shared this song with them and then they carried it along to the next village. Um, and one such family was the Rainers, uh, who had the audience of some pretty famous people such as Francis II of Austria, and Alexander the first emperor of Russia. <laughs> um, and it was carried along even further by Christian missionaries as, as well. So a few decades after it was composed, this song had made its rounds and was pretty popular throughout Northern Europe. Um, and, and while it was known that Gruber composed it, I think the platform that this song had and the fact that it was well-beloved by so many royal and political figures, a lot of people started to attribute much more famous composers to the tune. Um, this is when composers like Mozart and Beethoven were credited as the masterminds behind this song. However, it wasn't until 1995 that an original manuscript of this song was discovered, written in Moore's handwriting, the priest, um, citing Gruber as the composer. And that kind of set the record straight. And although Gruber had composed over 90 songs, and he, you know, he wasn't some obscure composer, Silent Night is by far his most successful. And he didn't even really get credit for it until nearly 200 years after it was written. <laughs> So what do you think about that, Kara? <laughs> I think it's interesting um, because there is another hymn that we're going to talk about over the Christmas period, which is also attributed to someone really famous, but it's not by them. And I think it's interesting because maybe people think, well, how could this song be so famous if it wasn't someone we all know that wrote it? Yeah. Um, so I think it's interesting that people were like, oh, this is an amazing song. It must have been written by, you know, Mozart because he's a genius when it was this random, you know, Austrian priest and his friend yeah. that put it together. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think I think we're like if something is very popular, we're like, well, it couldn't be from humble beginnings, you know, like something that's really grand has to have a grand beginning. Um, but that's contrary to the Christmas story. So I was say, it's <laughs> ironic considering the savior of the world is born in, in like a stable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, for the verses, this song was originally six verses long, but we tend to only sing three. But some of the missing verses have been translated in recent years. And I want to share those lesser known verses with you today. So I'm just going to read them. And I think they're really good. So starting at verse four, silent night, holy night, here at last healing light from the heavenly kingdom sent abundant grace for our intent, Jesus salvation for all, Jesus salvation for all. Silent night, holy night, sleeps the world in peace tonight. God sends his son on earth below, a child from whom all blessings flow. Jesus embraces mankind, Jesus embraces mankind. Silent night, holy night, mindful of mankind's plight, the Lord in heaven on high decree, from earthly woes we would be free. Jesus, God's promise for peace. Jesus, God's promise for peace. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I I really, really like the last verse. Um, uh, so just picking up on that, I think... When we think of this carol, we think of like a lullaby, like, oh, a sweet song to sing to baby Jesus. But I think in that last verse, we have a sober reminder of what Christ coming to earth was all about. And just to um, to explain that a bit further, I think we see this uh, explained in Romans 5, 1. So therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what this verse is saying, it, it, it puts the whole Christmas season in perspective. We have peace with God when we are justified, declared not guilty, accepted by God. And we can only do that through our Lord Jesus Christ, who being fully God, humbled himself, came to earth as a little baby, grew up, and lived a perfect life, something we are incapable of doing. And then he died in our place, paying the penalty we cannot afford. Also, that if we stop living our lives in rebellion to God and trust that Jesus paid for our sins, we can have peace, perfect peace with God. And I know we say this often on this show, it's something worth singing about. Um, And every Christmas, Jesus's birth is something worth remembering. It was him coming to earth that allowed us to have this perfect peace. And for that reason, that that's why we celebrate Christmas. Yeah, amen. That's just, oh, wow. I'm really glad that I know the the story behind Silent Night now, Um, because that actually fits beautifully with the next song that we're going to be looking at. So we're going from a song that's, attributed to someone famous that didn't write it to another song the same but where silent night has these beautiful words the next song that we're going to look at away in a manger is maybe not 
the Christmas song that you thought it was. Okay. <laughs> mm, exciting stuff. Um, so did you ever, when you were little, did you do school nativities where you had to like, you had the little um, tinsel halo and then you wore like your dad's oversized white t-shirt and then you <laughs> sang away in the manger because you were one of the <laughs> angels? I have participated in some way, shape or form in a few nativity plays. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, it just reminded me of that. Um, away in a manger always makes me think of school nativity plays. Um, I wondered if it was just a British thing, but apparently not. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like the cliche <laughs> of school. Yeah, but, yeah, we're not here to comment on whether nativities are okay or not. But <laughs> <laughs> Away in a Manger is a childhood classic, or as Scottish people often call it, a wane in a manger, which kind of <laughs> makes more sense. <laughs> a wane. Just, just for our non-Scottish viewers and listeners, what is a wane? It's a child. It's a child. <laughs> just a small child. Like a wee one. Wayne. A yeah. wane. <laughs> yeah. My mum used to be like, did you know Jesus had a teddy bear? And I was like, what? And she's like, well, the lyrics go, a wane in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet Ted. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, <laughs> Yeah. One of the things interesting about this that links back to Silent Night is that this <coughs> this hymn is attributed to Luther, Martin Luther. Really? Yeah. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. It's also wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's supposed to have been written by him to sing to his son and it was entitled mm. The Cradle Song, mm. um, which is why it's sometimes given that name. But... No German text for it has been found before 1934. And um, there's absolutely no evidence or reference to it, or even like a reference to a reference to it in Luther's writings. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, he didn't he didn't write that. No. Um it was, however, believed to have been first published in a Lutheran hymnal. So you kind of wonder if, you know, hmm. that's where the mix-up might have come from. Yeah, probably. But only if you're being gracious, because <laughs> um, the hymnal marked Luther's 400th anniversary. Um, and they kind of said that it was written by him, which I think kind of just sounds like good marketing yeah. to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. No one knows who wrote it, but it looks like it's American. Yeah. Um, so it might be a guy called James R. Murray who started the Luther rumour in his hymnal, which was called Dainty Songs for Little Lads and Lasses. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I just like that you had to affect that accent for it. <laughs> I read the title of the hymnal and I was like, goodness gracious, I would not pick that up in a bookstore. It'd Maybe like, you would pick it up to put it down. <laughs> I probably It's one of those things that would have all those little kind of like flowery cherub illustrations yes. like yes oof. i could imagine it now <laughs> so there are two tunes that this is sung to um one is called the cradle tune or the cradle song which mm -hmm. is the one that i like mm -hmm. um and then there's the muller tune which is the one most people in the uk sing okay um which was written by jonathan spillman but i don't know which one are you familiar with monet please don't make me hum them <laughs> 
Uh, I was actually just going to say, I definitely don't know whose tune it is. Um, but now I'm actually thinking, if I'm thinking of the right Christmas song, it's like, the little Lord Jesus lay down That's the Miller tune, yeah. Okay, that one. Yeah, so there's actually another, um, another tune which goes like, I'm not going to sing it because my throat's rough and I can't sing. It's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> is that a different song? No, same song. Okay, it's a totally yeah. different tune, but it's a nicer tune, I think. Yes, yes. Um, But I'm, I had thought that Cradle Tune was a, the one I just hummed was, was an American tune. Um, but apparently not then. Anyway, so the lyrics go like this. It's just three short verses. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the bright sky looked down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky and stay by my side until morning is nigh. Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Any thoughts on that before I uh, mention some of the objections? Go and get into those objections, girl, because I have <laughs> I have a few in my mind, but go, go for yeah, it. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. You might love this tune, but you're going to hate me after. <laughs> so usually the first thing that people pick up on is the lack of crying when Jesus wakes up yeah that's weird yeah. Um, the concern theologically is that it's bordering on what's called Gnosticism or mm -hmm. Docetism in which um, they kind of believe that the spiritual and the physical are very very separate and the physical's mm -hmm. evil and the spiritual's good mm -hmm. and Jesus kind of just put up with having a physical body but mm -hmm. it was kind of like this necessary evil mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and so he wasn't concerned with bodily needs like a normal baby he was just kind of like oh i'm in a flesh prison um <laughs> <laughs> but because we don't know who wrote it or what their theology is i'm kind of um inclined to give it the benefit of the doubt and just put it down to sentimentalism. Like mm. he was the perfect man. So he was a perfect baby and never cried. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got like a really interesting historical thing. So when it says stay by my side until morning is nigh. That partly comes from an old belief. That children and adults as well. Are closer to death when they sleep. Hmm. And I'm not entirely sure what the thinking is behind that. But the request is that like Jesus would watch over them because that's when they're most likely to die. Well, that's where um, that little prayer comes from, right? Like, now I yes. lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord yes. my soul to keep. I never thought of that. I also thought of that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I think it can be overlooked a little, that bit. It's just mm -hmm. kind of like that kind of thing when I lay me down to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then lastly, you could also question the theology of all the dear children in thy tender care. Um, so many believe 
it's the thing about baptized infants are part of the mm. household of God, which we as Baptists stamp no. our feet at because it's not true. No. Um, I mean, you could also say it's referring to the Bible when Jesus says, let all the little children come to me. But this hymn's got Lutheran origins. So mm. I, I think it's kind of fair to say it's got Peter Baptist undertones. Yeah. Um, so in essence, yeah. Have you got any thoughts about that? Just a little bit um, strange to think about some of the uh, theological and maybe cultural influences to this song. I most most of my objections really come from the fact that it's like this weird lullaby. I think I think I'm I'm a little bit freaked out by lullaby Christmas tunes because it's not like you know Jesus was a baby, so it's not like he didn't need to be soothed, you know, like, but. It's just like it's turned up to 100. It just feels like a little bit creepy to be singing about it. And I always thought of like, you know, no, when they're talking about Jesus not um, crying, I'm like, is he dead? Like, (laughs) what is this? (laughs) What's happening here? Like, this is a weird image. Like, babies cry. So it's just a little bit on the creepy side for me. I think that's kind of my objections. Uh, But maybe that's just a personal feeling. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. It's never totally sat very comfortably with me when I've thought about the lyrics. I've kind of been like, I don't really know what's going on here. (laughs) Um, But in essence, I don't think there's anything that you can point to and say without a doubt that it's like definitely heretical Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. definitely, you know, an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you look at the lyrics, they don't actually say all that much. No. Um, and they're kind of just filled with this Victorian sentimentalism for yeah. kids that, yeah, I don't like, I'm not a sentimental person. I find it a bit sickening. Um, it's not a praise song. It's, it's a, it's a lullaby. It, that, that's what it is. It's, it's not it's like, let's praise. Kind of, yeah. It's kind of just very cutesy. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got like the stars looking down and practically cooing at him. And then <laughs> you've got the newborn like waking up without a peep. And yeah. then you've got this final couple of lines which give off that classical Victorian as I lay me down to sleep kind of feel yeah um so I think it's a sketchy song at worst and it's Mm. just fluff at best yeah um I actually really I wanted to try and work out where they got it from in scripture Mm -hmm. but I really really struggled to pin any scripture on this song (laughs) which I felt really bad about like I honestly tried yeah um the best I could do was the bit in Luke I think it's Luke where they say and they laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn Mm -hmm. like but that's one line in the entire song yeah and you might be able to argue John 14, 2, where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you um, in that last verse. But what do you think about that? Is that trying too hard? I think it might be trying too hard. I think some some things don't necessarily, and we, and we haven't gotten to this topic yet on our show, but we will, we promise. We have some guests lined up to talk about this next year. But there's a lot of things that we sing that have nothing to do with scripture (laughs) or very, 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 very little. Um, so I think in Christmas time, which is filled with sentimental, um, things, I'm guilty of liking quite a number of them. I think you have this song that's just like over the top, like, um, 
talking about baby Jesus and it doesn't really have much foundation in anything scripture. It's just got a lullaby tune and, and it references him. That's it. Yeah. I think, um, if you want to be teaching your kids good songs about the incarnation, or if you want to be just singing good stuff about the incarnation, there are so many better songs out there Mm -hmm. um, that you could be singing. But do you want to know another song? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you thought Oh in a manger was not amazing you're gonna absolutely love this other song which we <laughs> also sang in primary school really yeah this song went through a bit of a phase when I was still in primary school um it was this one it's little donkey just mm-hmm. to say that we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. um but there was kind of a trend for this one and that song um do you hear what I hear do you remember yeah. that one yeah anyway I'm gonna like (laughs) I'm gonna read you the lyrics so that you understand why I am the way I am after having to saw away at this on the violin for months you're just sitting there I know there are listeners out there going it's not that bad (laughs) um just listen Mm -hmm. so the lyrics are little donkey little donkey on the dusty road got to keep on plodding onwards with your precious load been a long time little donkey through the winter's night don't give up now little donkey bethlehem's in sight ring out those bells tonight bethlehem bethlehem follow that star tonight bethlehem bethlehem little donkey little donkey had a heavy day little donkey carry mary safely on her way little donkey little donkey on the dusty road there are wise men waiting for a sign to bring them here Do not falter, little donkey. There's a star ahead. It will guide you, little donkey, to a cattle shed. Ring out those bells tonight, Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Follow that star tonight, Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Where to start, Cara? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. It has this awful tune which lends itself to almost being brayed by over-enthusiastic children as well. Um, I don't know where to start. It's, it's like, little donkey, little donkey. And you're just like, oh, dear goodness. <laughs> it was hilarious. I, I grew up in a, a city that has a particularly horrendous Scottish accent. Oh. And hearing these kids try and sing this was just, oh, my goodness uh cold-blooded we didn't i don't that song's not familiar to me at all like i never sang that as a child but maybe it's like a childhood yeah (laughs) i was i was extra blessed because i didn't have to sing little dog i mean i don't know is this a british american thing if you're american and you listen to our podcast let us know if you ever sang little donkey because that is a news to me yeah i don't really know where to start (laughs) Um, it was written around 1959-ish by Mm -hmm. a guy called Eric Boswell Mm -hmm. Um, and he happened to meet a lady called Gracie Fields Greasy? Um, Gracie oh I was (laughs) not Greasy I was like why did her parents hate her they called her Greasy and that's cold anyways yeah I need to speak I need to articulate Gracie (laughs) Fields um and she had been a singer during World War Two, um, but her career had kind of taken a slump afterwards. Mm-hmm. And Eric Boswell 
offered her this song to help her kind of jumpstart her singing career again. Mm-hmm. Which is an odd choice, I think. Of all the songs you could pick, it's just odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but between her performance and the Beverly Sisters also mm-hmm. singing it, um, it was popular enough that it hit number one in the sheet music sales. Okay. Um, by the end of the year. So the sheet music sales were more important than the record sales because it meant that people were buying the song and singing it rather than just buying a record. Mm-hmm. Um, so Boswell himself had mixed feelings about this song, which is partly why I found it odd that he was like, here, jumpstart your career with this. <laughs> um, he's an interesting guy, though. He appears to have been a churchgoer all his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was an organist. Hey. Yep. Um, and one thing I found out about him that made me smile was that it used to be normal that you just play the organ while everybody's milling about after the service and leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd sometimes slip in his own tunes when he was playing instead of playing hymns. Mm-hmm. And he would also just be there and just be like, okay, I'm going to play some Gilbert and Sullivan as well. Mm-hmm. Which is funny. So if anyone who doesn't know what Gilbert and Sullivan is, they wrote The Pirates of Penzance um, <laughs> and they were kind of well known for their comedic operas. Yeah. So this guy is just like sitting in church, like playing hymns and then he's like, I'm just going to play some of this. Yeah, there's not really much to say about this song, except that it's basically 98% speculation on the Christmas story. Um, yeah. We don't know that they had a donkey. We don't know that it was winter. We don't know that Bethlehem had bells. <laughs> I think it's probably unlikely. <laughs> um, we don't know that the star appeared until after Jesus was born, but we do know that they were going to Bethlehem and that Mary was pretty heavy, but you shouldn't say things like that to a pregnant woman. <laughs> um, and I might be able to pin the tail on the little donkey, but I really couldn't pin any scripture on it. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> well, um, that's the thing. You know, these songs are songs that really christmas themed <laughs> not really christmas I mean, appropriate i don't know yeah i mean I'm, I'm not saying don't ever sing it um mm. all i'm saying is that it really doesn't have any substance mm-hmm. so probably best not singing it like in yeah. actual church yeah definitely well thank you very much that was a trip that was a journey for us we talked a little bit about silent night we learned um a little or a lot about away in the manger and little donkey and maybe we probably shouldn't be singing those around christmas but in any case we hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you are ready to count down to christmas with us we have um, a few more episodes for you leading up to christmas we also have a giveaway don't forget to check it out at impartial.com and if you follow us on social media we'll be doing some fun stuff as well on instagram and facebook particularly but you'll have to follow us at him partial until next time i pray that the lord will bless you and keep you bye bye